nice doesn't work. The Biden administration lectures Israel on its fight for survival, while Iran fires drones and missiles at Americans on land and sea. Why no amount of appeasement and protecting civilians will satisfy the mullah's thirst for blood. Winter is coming. Well, there shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. A militant John Kerry tells coal miners to take their jobs and shove it. Bill O'Reilly on working-class Americans paying more for green electricity. Crime Stats Truth. President Biden has taken action to fund the police with billions. Why crime stats and actual crime don't match up. Should you believe the White House? or how you feel after watching videos like these. Plus, game on. You might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Wednesday night, we'll leave one to take on Donald Trump. You're just easy. Why others may have to throw in the towel sooner than they thought. I'm sick of Republicans losing. Mike Huckabee on why winning Iowa isn't everything. I love Iowa a whole lot. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, the fallacy of appeasement. Over the weekend, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin issued a pretty strong warning, not to Iran, not to Hamas, but to our ally Israel. He says they aren't doing enough to protect Gazan civilians. This kind of a fight, the center of gravity is the civilian population. And if you drive them into the arms of the enemy, you replace a tactical victory with a strategic defeat. He says it with such self-confidence, you have to just for a second step back and actually think about the facts. So let's talk about the civilian population. 75% of the civilian population in Gaza already supports Hamas and the October 7th murdering and raping of Israeli civilians. All right, Austin is a former four-star general. Does he really believe the other 25% will somehow be swayed by how many leaflets Israel drops? Remember, Hamas wrongly accused Israel of bombing a hospital that Islamic Jihad actually bombed. And the international media took Hamas's side. No amount of being nice will ever change the hearts and minds of Palestinians or of the Arab street or probably of the European street. And increasingly, probably it won't even change the hearts and minds of the American street. We'll get to those chanting about intifada forever and intifada now and globalize the intifada a little later in the show. But just to show you how it's not going to change the hearts and minds of the media either, just recently, a Sky News anchor cut off an IDF spokesman for dispelling that the whole idea Gazans have no power. Well, he took that talking point to the woodshed. People don't have power to power up their uh, mobile phones. They haven't got Wi-Fi. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you and all of your viewers saw our hostages being paraded through the streets as they were released to Israel over those seven nights and hundreds of Gazans holding their phones, videoing them. So clearly there's enough power to power their phones when they're parading our hostages throughout Gaza. Now that same power to their phones will be to get the maps, download the maps, look at the flyers, and don't forget, we're not only... I'm so sorry. We are out of time. Let's be fair. And I speak from experience having been on the ground. If the IDF didn't care about civilian casualties, if they truly were uh, engaged in the kind of activities they're accused of, the war would have been over on October 10th, maybe sooner. IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, 
do far more to warn civilians, protect civilians, and limit civilian casualties than any military in history. But that's not working on the PR side. Nobody seems to care about the facts. Antony Blinken, Lloyd Austin, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Nuland, Kamala Harris, and the rest of the Biden administration foreign policy brain trust believe targeting Iran and treating Iran by the golden rule will bring Iran into line. Or at least they can deal with Iran like they do Uruguay. They can't. This weekend, Iran-backed rebels in Yemen fired on three commercial vessels and an American destroyer. Iran-backed militias in Iraq tried to launch another, far more significant attack on a U.S. base there. So far, 75 effectively unanswered attacks by Iranian militias on Americans since October 7th, and the number continues to go up by the day. Sadly, it's only a matter of time before Iran kills an American service member. This is preventable. How do we know it's preventable? Because President Biden told us as much. He said on November 9th that his policy isn't working. They're hitting the targets. The problem is, is that it is not enough pain for Iran to stop targeting Americans. Let's cut to the chase. Iran views restraint as weakness, and Iran loves nothing more than the United States trying to restrain Israel. The opposite is also true as we look at American ships in the Persian Gulf. If America acted like Israel, Iran would stop attacking us. Here with us now, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, author of Unwoke, the new book uh, out in the next couple of days. We'll hold it so it actually is on screen. There it is, Senator. Good to see you. Uh, Good to be with you. How to defeat cultural Marxism in America. I think I know what you mean. Define cultural Marxism. Uh, It is the radical left view that views everything through a Marxist lens, that divides the world into oppressors and victims. And what this book does is it explains how the radical left took over every major institution in America. So chapter one focuses on universities, and it goes from universities to K through 12 education, to journalism, to government, to big business, to big tech, to entertainment, movies, TV, sports, music, to science, and, 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 and it ends with China, which is a central nexus that is intertwined with all of them. And what the book does is two things. Number one, it explains how and why the extreme left took over these institutions. But number two, it gives a practical, real battle plan for how we take those institutions back. Perhaps uh, unplanned, because obviously you wrote the book before the October 7th attacks and this sort of pro-Hamas movement that has grown in America. Does the oppressor-victim lens explain why now we are seeing this pro-Hamas movement in journalism, in academia, uh, in, even in science? Yeah, it, it, it does, and it, and it is perfectly encapsulated with what has happened since October 7th. The problem right now is the leftists have coded, they have defined Jews as oppressors, and they have coded Palestinians as victims, and so you are seeing the cultural Marxist emphatically supporting the violent revolution of the so-called victims. And we're seeing that in universities. We're seeing it with university faculties that can't bring themselves to defend Jewish students, to defend Jewish professors. We're seeing it with big tech, with TikTok, 
pushing pro-Hamas rhetoric. It is all of these institutions working together exactly as, as the book lays out. All right, so the, this idea, right, that the, the powerless are victims, therefore anything they do is virtuous, Marxist violent yeah. revolution, yeah. The, the raping's okay, the looting's right. okay, right. Right. on and on and on and on. You use the word anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. and I am, I've struggled since October 7th that I, it feels something more than anti-Semitism, right? Because anti-Semitism is, I don't like bagels, or Jews can't join the club that I am a member of and play golf with me. This is different. This is advocating the either extermination or certainly yeah. the violent uprising against Jewish people. Yeah. Where's that come from? Well, listen, anti-Semitism is a vicious hatred that has existed on the planet for millennia. And you're right, some of the milder manifestations are things like excluding Jewish people from country clubs. Those are bad, but but it is... It's not murder. (laughs) It's qualitatively different than than the most grotesque manifestation we have seen, which is the Nazis during World War II erecting concentration camps and engaging in genocide, murdering six million Jews. What is striking is that what happened on October 7th is the single largest mass murder of Jews in a day since the Holocaust, and it's the same strategies. The Hamas terrorists, they went from house to house, murdering every person, murdering children, raping women and little girls, murdering babies. Why? Because they were Jewish. And we saw, and the book explains this, all of the leftist fellow travelers, Black Lives Matter, which is an explicitly Marxist organization, it's explicitly anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. We saw Black Lives Matter chapters across the country celebrating the Hamas atrocities. We saw at my alma mater, Harvard, 35 student groups put out a statement that said every murder, every rape, every atrocity by Hamas is 100% the fault of Israel. Um, We started the show talking about sort of this fallacy of appeasement, uh, whether it be uh, Lloyd Austin saying if only Israel was a little bit nicer to the Palestinians, then there would be peace when this war um, was over. It seems to also be extending into how the U.S. is dealing with the Iranian militias. Here's Jake Sullivan today uh, after 75 now attacks on U.S. service members. Take a listen. But so far, retaliatory efforts from the U.S. to these kinds of strikes clearly have not been working. I mean, how concerning is that? We are going to take appropriate action in consultation with others, and we will do so at a time and place of our choosing. Okay, time and place of our choosing for the first 30 or 40 times sort of made sense. At what point are we going to have to resign ourselves that Americans are going to die before there is a time and place of administration's choosing. And to be clear, Americans have died. Over 30 Americans were killed on October 7th. In addition to being a horrific attack on Israel, it's one of the worst terror attacks on America. And still held hostage, fair enough. We now have Iran and Iranian proxies. They've engaged in nearly 100 attacks on the United States, on the United States military since October 7th. And this administration has done nothing, worse than done nothing. This administration is funding these attacks under Joe Biden, Roughly $100 billion flowed to the Ayatollah. The Biden administration, three of the top advisors to the lead Iran negotiator in the Biden administration were operatives that were actually working for the Iranian government. And and look, this problem of cultural Marxism that I talk about in the book on woke, it suffuses the Biden administration. This administration is populated by radicals who hate Israel, who have undermined Israel at every stage. Go back to the morning of October 7th. As this horror was unfolding, at 3 o'clock in the morning, the U.S. State Department tweeted out that, that 
Israel that there should be no military retaliation, no strikes, violence solves nothing. I denounced it at three in the morning. They deleted it within minutes. The next day, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said the same things. Israel, do not retaliate. Again, I denounced it. Again, they deleted it. Go back, fast forward to today. They want Israel to stop killing the Hamas terrorists, and it's because this administration is populated by radicals who side with the terrorists. It it would be difficult to argue with you based on uh, the sound bites you talked about and then some of our own reporting as well. Senator, it's good to see you, sir. Congratulations on the book. Thank Thank you. you. The stage is literally set for News Nation's Republican debate. You can see some of the final flourishes. Live look at the debate stage at the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. You're going to hear that a lot over the next few days. There are four podiums. We don't know yet how many will be needed for Wednesday's debate here on News Nation. That's because we won't find out until 8 p.m. Eastern if Governor Chris Christie makes the stage. Current polling in Iowa shows Trump ahead at 60 percent. Ron DeSantis, 11 percent of the vote. Nikki Haley, 10. Vivek Ramaswamy, 6. Winning Iowa isn't everything in the nomination. It's a very big thing. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee pulled off a surprise come-from-behind win in Iowa during 2008 and joins us now. It's good to see you, sir. It's been too long. It has been a while, Leland. Great to be with you tonight. Thank you. Yeah, all right. You've been here, right? You've been here two nights before what could be the last debate before Iowa, make or break. What's going through these candidates' minds? I think they're all trying to survive, and all of them are looking at the harsh reality. If they add all their numbers up, take Vivek, uh, Nikki, uh, add Christie in there, and Ron DeSantis, they add up to less than half of Donald Trump's number. That's a pretty formidable situation that they're facing. And so, you know, I know people say, well, the polls aren't accurate. We don't know what. But at some point, you have to gauge what people are telling the pollsters. And right now, Donald Trump is in what is truly an insurmountable lead. Yeah, he's he's look, he's running as an incumbent effectively in terms of this. I equated it a little bit to like the Wizard of Oz. Everybody's looking for something different. Nikki Haley, uh, for example, is looking to try to convince Trump Republicans that she's not just another neoconservative. Ron DeSantis is convincing people I care about people like you and the like. Everyone seems to have their own path that they say they've laid out. Um, here is Nikki Haley talking about what she views as her path. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Take a listen. So going into Iowa, we're going to see three to four people fight for Iowa. A couple people are going to drop, and then we're going to go into New Hampshire. And then we're going to fight for Granite Staters. Then more people are going to drop, and then I go head-to-head with Trump in my home state of South Carolina. And we take it. The the numbers in... Iowa are a little bit tighter than they are in the rest of the country. 43, Trump, 16, DeSantis, 16, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott at 7, Vivek at 4. Others not sure, 13%. If there's anybody who knows that Iowa uh, can change on a moment's notice, it's you. Take us back to 2008. What, What should we be looking for of tea leaves that things might be changing in the next couple of weeks? Leland, the key to Iowa is that you have to look for momentum. And uh, if there's anybody that's going to make a breakout, it's going to have to start now. Uh, My own breakout started really in the early part of the fall, and it was kind of a slow burn. But then as we got into December, and particularly as we moved toward the caucuses, which were January the 2nd, things began to just take off. 
And it's like all of the voters finally started making their decision. And that's something people forget. Iowa and New Hampshire voters break late. Most of them won't commit to vote for you until you've been to their house 17 times and petted their dog a few times and given them a bath. It's just the way it works. It's really a charming thing because it means you've got to spend time with voters, not just donors. And I think that's a wonderful thing for the rest of America to know. But it is a late-breaking state. Right now, here's the problem. Ron DeSantis has not seen an acceleration of his support. He's actually seen it decline, despite some wonderful endorsements from Governor Reynolds. Nikki Haley, she's moved up, but it's not a surge. It's simply a slow crawl at this point. So nothing so far is showing that one of the candidates is about to explode and end up surprising everybody. All right. Governor, it's good to see you as always. Thank you. Uh, we look forward to having you back. If there's anybody who knows what it's like two days before, it's you. We'll talk soon, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. News Nation's home for this week's Republican debate. Elizabeth Vargas, Sirius XM's Megan Kelly, Eliana Johnson with the Washington Free Beacon at the University of Alabama on Wednesday night. Debate starts at 8 Eastern. Chris Coma and I bring you the pregame. It's almost like a big football game, big SEC battle, 6 p.m. Eastern. The border will be a big issue in tomorrow night's debate. This video from our own Jorge Ventura on the border shows a group of mostly military-aged Chinese nationals entering our country illegally, one of many, many large groups. This is just one group on one day. They will all claim asylum of one type or another. We've reported on this for a while, all the military-aged Chinese men who are coming to America suddenly who've been able to escape communist China, where you need an exit visa and you need approvals from the government to take money out. But they all seem to make it to America. The chairman of the Homeland Security Committee doesn't think they're all here to drive Uber. So there are actual members who were in the People's Liberation Army, the People's Liberation Air Force, and they are here in the United States, released into the United States. You have to think that this is a part of some plan or strategy. You'd be foolish not to at least consider that. What's more is that China still isn't on the list of special interest aliens. That's people from countries like Lebanon or Iran that are known to promote terrorism. Of course, China would be on the list as America's number one enemy. But there's 1.7 million known gotaways and some percentage of unknown gotaways. So it's a big big, big number. It's a big number. And this could all matter a lot sooner than we think. Despite all the happy talk, remember that, after President Biden's meeting with Chinese dictator Xi Jinping... Just today, the Chinese accused an American Navy ship in international waters of, quote, intruding on China. No wonder so many Chinese men of military age keep crumbing across our border. Next, nothing says free Palestine like taking over the mall at New York's Columbus Circle. Maybe knocking over the Aloe store would help those in Gaza. Why we might be looking at America's pro-Hamas movement the wrong way. And... How the Amazon loophole allows China, speaking of China, to send fentanyl disguised as online purchases. A new law aims to stop that. Will that stop the overdoses destroying rural America? With respect, I was just asking about the the women, and you turned it back to Israel. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Balanced in our condemnation. It's hard to imagine, right, rationalizing rape. To be fair, though, 
Progressives are only playing to their people. It's the progressive street at college campuses and across big cities that are fueling this divide in America, this divide in the Democratic Party. For example, here's the White House's take on the both sidesism of Hamas's medieval campaign through Israel. I can only speak for, for the president. Uh, that's who I can speak for. And we've been clear what uh, Hamas did is absolutely reprehensible and full stop. We're going to continue to be clear, and I'll just leave it there. And I'm speaking for the president of the United States. So I think they've been very clear on that. Hmm. Clear enough, uh, Bacha Unger Sargon, opinion editor of Newsweek, clear enough to say uh, that it's wrong, but the White House won't condemn the people who are both sides in it. What do you make of that? I want to make sure your audience understands what we just witnessed with Pramila Jayapal's interview, because it is part of a it's a microcosm of something much, much larger, which is this, Leland. The same people who for six years have told us that every man who flirts with a co-worker should be chased out of public life, the same people who replaced due process with believe all women, these same people and organizations, when presented with evidence of the mass rape of Israeli women, suddenly turned around and said, we need more context, we need more evidence. Who's to say they took their standard of believe all women and flipped it on a dime to don't even believe the men who are bragging about mass rapes the minute the victims were Jews. I'd say that's pretty clear. Uh, What I'm trying to figure out is the divide in the Democratic Party over this, because it's pretty interesting, right, that there there is this divide. um, Joe Scarborough uh, had this to say. Take a listen. She's asked again about it. And she goes, yes, it's terrible. It's bad. I'm against it. However, acting as if nobody's talked about the civilian death toll in Gaza. She can't just condemn Jewish women being brutalized and it being videotaped and people seeing it. Right, and the, the reason she can't is political, right? I mean, obviously, she may be a true believer, but at the same time, there's also all these protesters. We saw them throughout New York City uh, over the weekend, throughout Philadelphia, where they showed up at a Jewish falafel shop and started chanting, uh, Goldie, Goldie, uh, you're guilty of genocide, on the UPenn campus and the like. This is what I think is interesting, though, and there's this really goes to the divide. So we heard what KJP, the White House spokesperson, was willing to say from the podium. But then we got this email from Andrew Bates regarding the Philadelphia restaurant protest over the weekend. It's anti-Semitic and completely unjustifiable to target restaurants that serve Israeli food over disagreements with Israeli policy. As Governor Shapiro has underlined, this behavior reveals a kind of cruel and senseless double standard that is the calling card of anti-Semitism. What I can't figure out, I'm hoping you can help explain, why the White House seems to have at least a sense of moral clarity, especially Andrew Bates, um, as it relates to their statements on paper, and goes to such unbelievable gymnastics when it goes to what KJP says behind the podium. 
You know, Leland, um, you're not going to be surprised when I say this. It's not just about politics. It's also about class. If you have spent significant time in an American university, especially an elite American university, you have spent time in a pressure cooker where you are taught day in and day out that there's no difference between right versus wrong. There is only powerful versus powerless. And who has darker skin and lighter skin? And the person with darker skin has no agency and no power and thus is inherently virtuous. And that you, if you have lighter skin or any kind of power, institutional power or their fictional white power, Power, whatever that is, you don't have the right to, to have a moral compass. You don't have a right to make distinctions between right and wrong. These people have been denuded of a moral compass, and that is by design by progressives. All right. Uh, your answer about uh, the rapes of Israeli women, I thought, was uh, powerful uh, and important. Thank you, as always. We'll see you soon, all right? Thank you, all right, we invite you to sign up for War Notes. It gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Go to warnotes.com and subscribe for free. The notes started as our internal email discussion about the most important events of the day. It's literally how we put the show together, and you get to be a part of it. You can respond to the email with your thoughts or join us on social media at Leland Vittard on Instagram or Twitter. Go to warnotes.com and subscribe for free. In rural America, fentanyl overdoses kill more young Americans than anything else. At Christmas this year, almost every family in rural America will either have an empty seat at the holiday dinner table or know a family who does because of fentanyl. Most of the chemicals to make fentanyl come from China, then to labs in either Mexico or the United States. But a loophole that ends up helping big online sellers like Amazon allows hundreds of millions of packages from China into the United States uninspected. And with that, the precursors to fentanyl. 410 million packages came through so-called de minimis loopholes in 2018. In 2022, that number was up to 685, 1 million packages. Senator Tammy Baldwin represents Wisconsin, where fentanyl doses are up more than 100% since 2019. Senator, um, I know you've got a bill to talk about this and to deal with this. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I wanted to get you just real quickly on what we were just talking about, which is uh, the comments by the leader of the Progressive Caucus in the House saying that we need to be balanced in condemning the rapes of Hamas. We need to condemn hate in all forms and violence in all forms. And there's just no other way of looking at it after the horrific uh, Hamas attacks in Israel on October 7th. You say all forms, and I understand that. I'm, I'm interested why it's always, when asking about Israel, why it is always then said, we must contend hate in all forms rather than specific to extreme violence against Jews, which is what October 7th was about? Look, I think that this should be the answer. What, whatever the context it comes up, we have seen horrific hate displayed in the United States against Palestinians, against uh, uh, Jewish people. We must condemn it in all forms. 
All right, fair enough. Um, now on to this bill. The De Minimis Reciprocity Act would exclude untrustworthy countries from using trusted De Minimis channels. That means allowing China to send in these precursor chemicals. Allow only express carriers to facilitate imports to help stop counterfeits and fentanyl at the border. Require more information on every package in the United States. Use the revenue proceeds to establish a fund reshoring industry from China. Why would anybody be against this? Well, uh, that's a great question, Um, and uh, I am hopeful that we will start moving in the right direction on this rather than the wrong direction on this, but the bottom line is that this rule that we talk about, the de minimis loophole, uh, makes it possible for uh, packages of value less than $800 to have very little scrutiny when it enters the United States, Um, and so that has become the go-to for uh, countries like China is just package everything separately. So it's each one is under $100 or $800. You won't get tariffs, you won't get duties, and you won't get scrutiny. And that's the problem right now. Um, Right now, we receive about 3 million packages a day from overseas in the United States. And the more that they can try to put under this rule of under $800, they don't get scrutinized. And they certainly aren't subject to tariffs and duties. And, um, and we need to scrutinize. This is the way that the precursor chemicals are getting, to, uh, uh, getting into the United States and into Mexico um, and sometimes Canada. Uh, but here in the United States, we have got to have the capacity to scrutinize more. Now, think of three million packages a day, many of them uh, under this loophole. That's a billion a year. Um, we need to have the tools in place, which means getting rid of this loophole, getting rid of this this law or this uh, uh, de minimis rule. I, I only got about 30 seconds, but I, I'm trying to figure out who's in favor of it because it seems so simple. Anybody could understand that China packages from China shouldn't be trusted. Is it the Chinese who have a significant lobby inside Congress or is it Amazon and the other big online retailers? Oh, I'm sure Amazon has a big uh, uh, role in this, uh, but it's about the way we've put together trade deals in the past. And I'm somebody who believes that we should uh, be a lot stricter than we've been in the past. Um, you know, only recently, I think 2016, uh, it used to be a $200 uh, uh, loophole. Now it's up to $800. Think how much of the commerce that goes back and forth right. uh, is under that $800 level. Um, and it means that these packages get little or no scrutiny. And that's how they're gaming the system and killing people because fentanyl kills. All right. Senator, thank you very much. We're going to keep following the legislation. More importantly, the people who vote, vote against it, which always tells you, <laughs> tells you something. We appreciate your time. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Now, next, one in five Americans rely on cold fire plants, coal fired power plants to get their electricity. John Kerry wants to shut them all, electric bills be damned. Bill O'Reilly on whether Americans will take it in the wallet to fulfill the Green New Deal. We'll see him soon as we look live at the University of Alabama ahead of Tuesday night's debate. Wednesday night's debate. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Got that? Climate czar John Kerry at the COP28 conference in Dubai. Yeah, same guy in the windsurfer. And yes, the climate change profiteers allowed an oil state, Dubai, to host a climate change conference. It tells you everything you need to know about the climate change movement. Anyway, a now militant John Kerry says he can solve the climate change problem by eliminating coal-fired power plants. Now, if we don't need that necessarily to tell us we ought to be transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. And he says there won't be in the United States. The very easy thing is to make fun of Kerry windsurfing or the climate change czar who flies in a polluting private jet to, well, everywhere. It's more accurate to point out, though, that eliminating coal-fired power plants in the United States will only increase electricity costs for all of us which has risen 25% since the pandemic started. Bill O'Reilly is here, host of the No Spin News, author of Killing the Witches, the harrow of the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts. Good to see you, sir. As always, uh, I feel like this is indicative of sort of this larger class divide now between those who are concerned about climate change and those uh, like the rest of us who are concerned about paying our electric bills. Everybody should be concerned about climate change. I'm a big environmental guy. I want the cleanest planet possible. But you don't punish working people all over the world, poor people, um, by throwing out fantasies like John Kerry. So the problem um, with the uh, former senator is that he lives in a world of his own, a bubble world. I don't want coal plants, but the only way you get away from that is nuclear energy. Does Kerry support nuclear energy? I've never heard him say he does, ever. Now, we have technology that makes nuclear energy viable. All you have to do is go to France. All right, about 80% of their energy is nuke. But not Kerry, no. What Kerry wants to do in his bubble is virtue signal. He wants to show his constituency, liberals and progressive, that he is socially conscious and aware of the planet damage, which is happening. The planet's being damaged by a shift in the climate. What we don't know is if this is a natural cycle or not. What we do know is there's far too much gunk, G-U-N-K, being spewed into the air. So let's take wind, for example. Out on eastern Long Island, where I live, uh, they got windmills in the ocean. Okay, well, the windmills were estimated to be installed at one number and now it's 10 times that number. And the windmills that surround Block Island, Rhode Island territory, break like every week. (laughs) They break. All right. So the enormity of the cost to generate wind makes it impossible for working people who have to air condition and heat their homes. They can't pay more utilities, John Kerry. 
Now, Terry doesn't have to worry about that. He's as rich as you can get with his wife, uh, Miss Hines, the Hines Ketchup Contessa. Okay, but it disturbs me that Kerry avoids realism like nuclear energy. And I'm not going to attack him personally. Maybe he's not smart enough to make that analogy. Look, you make a great point that there's ways to deal with climate change. There's ways to deal with virtue signaling, and and people have to pick about which one um, they do. I want to congratulate you on Killing the Witches when you came on a a couple of months ago to promote the book. Um, You talked about how it was so insightful and important to the times we are going through today, sort of to the orthodoxy uh, way of thinking on various issues. 250,000 copies in two months, I think you said, uh, and that's before we get to Christmas. Why do you think it's resonated so much? Because there's a witch hunt now in this country. Is not a man safe. Not one single man in the United States is safe from an accusation that can destroy your employment, your family, and your life. Nobody. Hmm. And if you're accused, you better have a million dollars to defend yourself. So we're not putting ropes around people's necks anymore, but we're destroying them. And in Killing the Witches, regular folks, I write about today, and these people were falsely accused, and we tell their story. It's harrowing. Not to say that there isn't... there aren't cases that need to be adjudicated and people need to be punished. That is true. But the denial of due process and all of this crazy stuff, this hysteria, is much like what happened in Salem. So Killing the Witches, phenomenal success. Hope people will consider it for a stocking stuffer. Uh, It's not as bleak as it seems, but there's a lot of good history in it. Important history, too. Uh, Otherwise, if we don't know it, we will be bound to repeat it. I think I read that somewhere. Bill, it's good to see you as always. Thanks. We'll talk before Christmas. Coming up next, three or four. Wednesday's News Nation debate could have a surprise addition to the stage. Who and how it could change the race for the Republican nomination next. Okay, do you sense a theme here? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. Wounded Warrior Project helps post-9-11 veterans and their families realize what's possible. With support and resources that bring warriors together and empower them to become stronger, both inside and out. It's possible to begin healing. To get the help you need. To find peace. And as each warrior's needs evolve, so do we. Because these last 20 years are just the beginning. Learn more at WoundedWarriorProject.org slash possible. Every child deserves the best teachers, facilities, and academic programs to set them up for success. At Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we make that a reality for children from qualifying families who are looking for greater opportunities. Milton Hershey School enrolls students from pre-K through 12th grade from across the United States to live and learn on a beautiful state-of-the-art campus with all costs covered. Are you looking to set your child up for success or know a child who could benefit from Milton Hershey School? Learn more at mhskids.org admissions. 
Wednesday, a night that defines the future of the 2024 presidential race. The News Nation Republican primary debate. News Nation has you covered before and after the candidates take the debate stage. Chris Cuomo, Leland Bennett, and the best political team anywhere. Steyerwald, Spicer, Mulvaney, Masca, Ortegas. Clear insights and fact-driven reporting on the night's biggest moments. Special live coverage starts Wednesday on The Hill at 5-4 Central, only on News Nation. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the go. I'm Ashley Banfield, and this is America's source for engaging and unbiased news. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much acetaminophen can damage your liver. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. My son, Ricky, took his life by the use of a firearm. It broke me, and I contemplated suicide. My grandson, I was going to have to be here for him. I still own my firearm. I keep it in a safe because I want to keep my grandson and myself safe. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Son of a Critch has moved to Thursday. What is happening? It's the hit series from the producer of Shit's Creek and Change. Smells like puberty to me. Is in the air. Thursdays on the CW. Great eight. I'm stoked. A whole new school year has begun. I can skateboard now. Want to try? Oh, no, thank you. But Mark Critch. I don't skate or ride a bike. I'm not into transaction. Is not coming in hot. New Year, same door. Son of a Critch. All new Thursdays at 8, 7 central on the CW. In Iraq, our truck hit a roadside bomb. I had about 16 surgeries on my hand so that I could regain function. And when I came home, I needed a new roof due to a storm. And I was about to lose homeowner's insurance as well. I applied for Operation Homefront Critical Financial Assistance Program. And it's good to know that when we come home, there are people who are there that care about us. Operation Homefront, they've really been a blessing. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. Live look at the University of Alabama. The stage is already set for News Nation's Republican debate Wednesday night. Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy are all on the card. Frontrunner Donald Trump has yet to take the debate stage, and you never know. Lots can happen between now and Wednesday, including whether or not Chris Christie has the polling numbers required to attend. We should know that very soon. Chris Cuomo will have that on his show in a couple of minutes. Hey, Chris. How you doing, Leland? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. The question is, will I be doing better or worse than Chris Christie if he finds out he is or is not on the debate stage? I think he's going to be okay. And, you know, in the last okay. segment with O'Reilly, very interesting, uh, you were quoting uh, George uh, Santayana, uh, the Spanish philosopher. Those who don't remember history are doomed mm-hmm. to repeat it. Uh, that is a very good prophecy for what happens Wednesday night at our big debate also. This is really the time for each of these people who make the stage to learn from what did and did not work. Specifically, the guy I have on the show tonight, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Nikki Haley, what's she going to do with her new shine? Uh, and if uh, DeSantis now has gotten bolder because of his tussle with Newsom. 
So it'll be interesting to see what they bring to bear. We'll be talking about that tonight with Ramaswamy. Also, Hmm. we're going to have a very tough talk, Leland, uh, with a military tactical expert and an expert at West Point. Uh, on what is and is not allowable as uh, justified war in terms of what is Israel doing that is okay and what is arguably not okay. This guy's the expert for America. We'll put him to the test. That's a good conversation to have, important one, uh, especially considering what Kamala Harris said um, in Dubai. All right, uh, Chris, good to see you. Uh, Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. We will not do that here on my show or yours. How about this? Don't believe your lying eyes. Crime is down. So says the FBI. Why the statistics don't really show what's happening. All right, the good news, and we're happy to report, FBI crime statistics show a huge drop in crime. The bad news, what the statistics show doesn't actually mean a drop in crime from the Wall Street Journal today. When you look at how the crime statistics come together, it shows that violent crime can fall and people can simultaneously experience more crime. We did not make that up. Violent crime is down 1.7% overall, but 63% of adults say the crime situation in the United States is extremely or very serious. With now, Anthony Phillips, Philadelphia City Council member, District 9, outspoken on this issue. It's sort of like, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? I don't get it. Well, listen, Leland, it is, we are celebrating being the best of the worst in, in, our, in our world. Uh, in, in a country like Sweden, uh, that host that has literally 10 million people in Sweden, um, and in the city of Philadelphia, we have 1.5 million people. In this past year, Sweden had 116 murders. In Philadelphia, we're nearing 300 murders and just one city. That doesn't count New York and other cities. So it's like we're celebrating a Super Bowl victory and we're nowhere near close to, you know, where other nations are. And and it has a lot to do with the fact that other nations are much tougher on crime than we are. According to the White House, uh, they took a a victory lap, right, based on on this these numbers take a listen yeah i would like to share some encouraging news about the results of this administration's efforts uh, to make communities safer from the epidemic of gun violence president biden has taken action to fund the police with billions in his budget every year he's been in office so the white house would like you to believe that all of america is safer and then we see the videos coming out of Philadelphia, especially. And we've covered a lot of them even before you were elected. Uh, what do you make of the juxtaposition between the, the drop in numbers and then the videos we see? Well, what we see in the videos is clearly there's there is clear evidence that people don't still feel safe. Uh, you can invest thousands of dollars, millions of dollars into safety. But if you don't have a, a clear cut plan on how you're going to make sure that criminals are literally locked up for making making some serious crimes in our community, then it, it, all that money is wasted. And so they're literally what people do not feel safe because of what they see, not only everybody on the news, but even of what they see in their neighborhoods. Just today, you can say, oh, crime has dropped. But just today in Philadelphia, we literally had a security guard murdered at a Macy's because uh, someone was trying to loot you know, rob, rob Macy's. 
Uh, and so, you wow. know, clearly if the security cards are being killed, we clearly have a, ser- a serious issue in that regard. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, evidently the criminals didn't get the memo that crime was crime was down. Uh, Mr. Councilman, yeah. it's good to see you as always. We appreciate good it. I know your constituents appreciate you talking about this. Thank you, sir.